Hi everyone, welcome to the Laura Horn Art Podcast. Today I have an incredible guest. I'm speaking with mixed media artist Phoebe Gander. Phoebe paints semi-abstract landscapes and seascapes that are rich with layers and textural details. Originally from England, Phoebe now lives in New Zealand with her husband and three children. This is a very raw and tender conversation. Phoebe talks about how coming back to art after a long break helped her to overcome severe anxiety, cope with her son's ADHD diagnosis and extra needs, and find purpose beyond motherhood. We also chat about how Phoebe's art has changed and what it has been like to move away from resin and alcohol inks and return to her love of mixed media landscapes. I want to say a big thank you to Phoebe for being vulnerable in this episode and for encouraging all of us to embrace our differences. This is such a beautiful conversation that I want to get straight into it. So let's hear from Phoebe. So first of all, I just want to welcome you to the podcast and thank you so much for joining me. I am looking forward to hearing more about your story and I know that many listeners will be too. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Laura. I feel very um, privileged to to be here and to talk to you today. And I know that you listen to the podcast, which I thank you for. And you probably know that with most guests, I do like to sort of go back a bit and hear how you got started with painting. So if we can start there, that would be fantastic and take us through how you got into painting in the first place. Well, I have to go quite far back because, um, yeah, I've always loved painting. Um, Ever since I was tiny, I remember sitting at our kitchen table and, and drawing and painting, and that was my thing. I was, you know, the arty one of the family. My mum got me art lessons from a teacher friend who was an art teacher, and um, he, he gave me some lessons when I was very little. I remember those after school, sometimes having art lessons, and then then going to art club after school um, when I was at secondary school. And, um, yeah, it's just always been something that's been very much part of my life and so you did art all the way through school did you think that you wanted to be an artist or make a career out of it while you were younger oh um I definitely yeah I loved art all the way through school and right up until I went and I did art at college and then there was a point um I actually I loved art so much and I couldn't I couldn't think of another career that I or even any kind of job that I wanted to do that didn't involve art and I remember I was kind of I remember being the only person that didn't go to the careers interview because when I filled out all the form like it didn't come up with a job that I, that I liked at the end so so I just didn't go to that interview and uh, then I I went to art college and I was applying for university places and um, I really I did deep down want to do fine art that was my passion was painting but my tutors talked to me and said that maybe maybe textile design was going to be a better option because there's a vocation at the end of it. And I think as well, you know, my parents probably urged me to go down that route. And I mean, I enjoyed I enjoyed textile design um, and I did sort of think you have that the starving artist mentality where you think, well, yeah, if I go and do fine art, it's going to be three years of painting, which would be great. But what what am I going to do with that at the end? And this is, you know, back in you know, 2000. So there wasn't really the internet, Instagram, things like that. There, you know, nothing existed to make you have a career in art other than a gallery. Yeah, and so it's quite limited. It was. And, um, you know, you have a fear. I sort of looked around at other people. My sister had chosen a more sensible vocation. And you get uh, derailed from what, you, what your passion is and, and you... I was sort of thinking, well, I need to choose something that's going to actually give me a job at the end of it. So, so yeah, I, I ended up studying textile design um, for three years at Falmouth College of Arts in England, and I loved it. It was great being at university, but the course I didn't love so much. Well, I tried to try and change actually halfway through, and then I got talked out of that. So I carried on and I completed the course, and I, you know, I got a good degree. Then I, I sort of didn't really know what to do with it. I got offered. I think I got offered a, a place at a, a textile design company and I just knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I, after all that, I didn't even pursue it. And then um, and then I actually did a, a teaching degree um, for a year 
uh, to be a secondary school art teacher. But that, again, I did, didn't really enjoy. And by the end of that, I kind of realized I wasn't, I wasn't really into teaching. Um, I just found it really stressful and I didn't, I just didn't enjoy it. And then we moved to New Zealand. So, you know, life just got busy and suddenly art took a back seat and I ended up just doing all sorts of random jobs and things like that. And when, when did you decide to start painting again? After we, we moved to New Zealand and I did several different jobs, I ended up uh, having my first son. That was a really busy time. While he was little, I uh, I did sort of dabble in things like polymer clay earrings and doing things like that for a while, doing little small illustrations and prints and you know, just keeping my hand in being creative, but not hugely. Um, I was actually doing photography for a while. I was I completely kind of changed from art and, and did uh, like wedding photography while he was really little um, because I I was really passionate. I still am really passionate about photography. I love taking photos. I use a lot of photography as my reference uh, in my work and things like that. Um, but yeah, so I, I had my son and then fairly soon after I had my second son. It was it was a really difficult time, actually, for me. I We ended up going back to England for about nine months. Yeah. I was really struggling with the two children and um, uh, missing home a lot. England is, you know, kind of where we're from. And I needed that family support that we just didn't have in New Zealand. My husband's also from England, so it was just, you know, just us and, the, and two children. So my son was about my youngest was about one we were over there I didn't know this at the time but my my oldest son he he has um ADHD so I didn't I didn't quite know why he he was I suppose different to other children he was just quite a handful and I mean he's a very bright very bright child very you know amazing boy but it was really it was a really difficult time to to try and uh, given a child with no manual, no no instructions, and how to raise them, and then there's these added difficulties, which you at the time I had no idea what I just thought it was me, and that I was a pretty rubbish mum to be honest. Um, so my you know my self esteem was pretty pretty low. So we were back in England, and I had uh, this my one year old and, and my little boy, uh, my three year old. I just had a really difficult time, and I went to the doctor and. They told me I had uh, postnatal depression, first of all, but then I ended up having a, a really severe uh, anxiety panic attack one day. I just, um, it came quite out of the blue, had this really big panic attack and that was really frightening uh, because I had no no idea that what it was. I'd never had a panic attack before, although I think on hindsight, I'd had anxiety probably most of my life. And a lot of my teens, especially, I'd suffered from anxiety, but I, it didn't have a name or a label because I, I just I hadn't ever thought about. It. I just thought there was something slightly wrong with me, I suppose. And then I had this huge panic attack, and it was. I thought. I mean, it sounds a bit melodramatic, but at the time, I I thought I was dying. I thought this was this was it because I couldn't see, I I couldn't breathe, and you know, ended up sort of passing out. And then my mother-in-law. She came back. She was she had been out, but she came back and called an ambulance. And then the next thing I knew, there was like paramedics, and uh, I was on oxygen. And yeah, you know, I actually still at that point thought that I, you know, this is it. I'm dying of something awful. So I went back to the doctors, and they did lots of tests and things like that. And then the doctor said, you know, I think you've got severe anxiety disorder or anxiety clinical anxiety, and you've, you've had a panic attack. Which, I mean, I just thought this is too big to be anxiety. This has got to be something more. And I was convinced for a long time that, that he got it wrong and that I must be suffering from some horrible degenerative disease or something. Because I just couldn't, it just felt so huge. And I kept having them. That was the, that was the horrible part. I, I kept having these panic attacks. And, you know, gradually they kind of got better. And around about the same time, my son... Um, finally got diagnosed as having ADHD. That was a huge relief because I suddenly realised that it wasn't my fault. Um, you know, that I couldn't kind of parent him the same way that other people parented. I needed to, you know, just change the way I was parenting and try to help him. So following my son's diagnosis, that just gave me 
it gave me a real real focus away from myself and and then I kind of could push the anxiety away and just completely went in this huge mission to find out as much as I could about ADHD and how I could help him and anxiety kind of subsided but then I had my our third child my daughter not long after she was born the anxiety came back uh, quite severely again it was like obviously I just suppressed it and then as soon as she was born I suddenly had three children and then I was really like outnumbered by children at that point <laughs> and um, uh, really sleep deprived like none of them my children sleep very well and they're little well they still don't really sleep very well but I remember having a panic attack a panic attack with her um, in, in the supermarket and crouching down just staring at a row of bags of chips with this little baby attached to my front and just feeling like the world was sort of ending and um, yeah it was terrifying yeah it was <laughs> hang on I'm take tired. a moment <laughs> just take a moment because it's, it's horrible to go back there but it, yeah uh, yeah yeah you're very brave to come on and chat about this and share your story okay. and it's important Thank as you. well that people understand that this goes on and happens and you've you've been working through this and um, thank you you're really kind <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the thing is it's so so the, as soon as you start talking about this with other people, I even talked about it with my best friend, and she said that she, you know she revealed to me that she had had anxiety and and panic attacks, and I had no idea. I was like, I've known you for like your whole life. Mm. How have I not known that you've had this? Anyway, at that point, having that panic attack in the supermarket, I remember it was like enough, enough. I need to go back to the doctor, and so I went. This is I'm back in New Zealand now, so I went back to my doctor, and I have a really good relationship with my doctor. She had been through my whole journey with my son and things and I went to see her and I and I broke down and I said you know I can't do this anymore I need need some medication or something I can't I just I don't want to be I don't want to feel this way anymore and I can't keep having these panic attacks um and insomnia and things like that and she she's she was so kind and she said to me um I, I'll write you a script right now and that's fine I think you know you need to get out of the place that you're in as far as the anxiety goes, you need to get you better. But she said, tell me what you're doing for self-care at the moment, because I know what you've got on your plate with your with your son and you've got a little baby. And, you know, what are you doing to help you? Because if you don't look after you, how, how are you going to look after your children? And I sort of looked at her and said, well, I don't really have time to do anything for me. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm exhausted and I'm knackered and I've got three children and I don't, I don't quite really got time to do anything and she, she said well you, you need to make time and I'm telling you as your doctor that you need to make time to do something for yourself so what is it that you you like to do and she said do you, you know do you like yoga do you like going for a walk you know, what, what is it that you you want to do and I said well I like painting I like I like art but I don't really do it anymore and um, she said, well, you know, I think you maybe need to think about booking your daughter into daycare or something, you know, a day or two a week, a couple of mornings a week and give yourself some time and start doing something for yourself again. So that was it was it was this incredible moment of um, being given permission to take some time back for myself, which you read all over you know, everywhere you read, you know, self-care is so important and you must must look after yourself and but to put it into practice is uh, I just needed someone to tell me that that was actually necessary and okay to do you used the word permission when you described it and it sounded like that was very powerful for you to have someone actually sort of say you need this you deserve this and -hmm. give yourself permission to look after yourself Totally. And it wasn't like, you know, my husband hadn't said that I could or anything like that. It was all me. It was all in my own head. Mm. You know, I just was just thinking I just need to, I don't know. I was literally just trying to put one foot in front of the other, to be honest, just get through each day because it was, I was, you know, I kind of lost enjoyment for everything, I suppose, at that point. And um, so I I remember going home and, and immediately like phoning some daycares and I did get my daughter, she was about 18 months old at the time, got her a, a place a couple of mornings a week at daycare and then from that point on I went on a bit of a sort of YouTube mission mission on Instagram and things and just started looking at things that I was interested in and 
what am I interested in? What do I want to do? Because it had been quite a long time and I hadn't really done any what I considered art, you know, just dabbling in those little crafty things didn't seem the same. So I needed to do something that was going to be achievable at, you know, at my kitchen table, kind of when my daughter was asleep or in the evenings or just short little bursts of time when she was at daycare. I think that my mindset was, was a bit blocked and that's why I hadn't started anything for a long time because of my, my old style of painting that I'd loved before doing my degree was seascapes and they were quite kind of realistic and big. They took a long time and that I just remember thinking I, I can't paint because I don't have time, I don't have the space and so I needed to sort of think what can I do that's not that, that's, that's smaller and different and that I can... I can find time and make space for. So that was when I, I sort of stumbled upon um, fluid art and alcohol inks on, uh, I think it was on YouTube. I saw a video of someone using alcohol inks and I thought, oh, it just like, you know, piqued my interest. I thought, oh, that looks, I like that. I like that look of that. That looks, that looks interesting and um, quick and you can do it on a small scale. And so I went online and bought some alcohol, alcohol inks and I remember they arrived and I had these small sort of, I think they were like five by seven inch pieces of UPO paper or synthetic paper that you use for it. I remember the moment when I just dripped them on the paper and added the, the alcohol that you add to them and this something magical happened and it just was like, it was like, oh yes, <laughs> I'm home, I'm making art and it just felt so, it just felt so amazing to finally kind of make art again and I think, um, I could have been anything. I could have. I could have chosen watercolors. I could have chose. It just. It didn't really matter what it had been. I. I chose it. Just suddenly having that. I don't know that desire again to paint, and so that it, it became quite quickly an addiction. <laughs> I was suddenly painting at every spare minute that I had, making these little alcohol ink pictures, and um, and that's when I started up my Instagram to share those and. Yeah, and, and I did little time-lapse videos and things like that. And then, yeah, quite quickly, my Instagram kind of grew from that. And, um, yeah, then a few months later, I decided to try using resin as well. Um, I'd seen some people using resin, and it looked really interesting. Although, to be honest, <laughs> it completely went against the whole um trying to do something small and easy and quick on the <laughs> kitchen table because resin art's like the most messy and time consuming kind of, you really need to have some space and a uh, proper, yeah. So I, I, to be honest, I didn't really get into using resin as much until we'd moved house to where we are living now. And, and then in the, I had a final use of our garage. From there, I, I started to play a lot with resin and I'm quite nerdy. I'm quite, obsessive maybe <laughs> obsessive about things so I kind of like really got into like just I really wanted to make these oceanscapes and I really wanted to make them look I had a certain idea of what I wanted to, them to look like and it took me I just practiced and practiced and practiced a lot until I had got the kind of technique down that I wanted to and I think that that was quite key actually at the beginning of this whole journey was that I I just felt like I'd wasted so much time not making art, you know. I had suddenly this huge flip switch in me that just made me want to play and explore and create, like, for the process. I wasn't necessarily creating art like, to sell it. I, I didn't even have a website or anything at that point. I just wanted to make art, you know, really, really get as good as I could possibly be with, with that medium. So how were you feeling once you started making art on a regular basis? Oh, just suddenly felt like I had a purpose again, I suppose. Yeah, it felt it just really helped. The anxiety, honestly, almost immediately started to dissipate and go away. And um, I think that that was it. I think I just put so much pressure on myself to be, you know, this perfect mum and not give myself any time to kind of just oh, recharge, I suppose. And now I had this time to do that. And also with, you know, my daughter getting a little bit older and getting out of that baby stage where you are just exhausted and it, it is quite, you know, difficult. Any mum will agree, I'm sure, that the first year or two is really hard. The painting and the 
the, the, having that creative kind of practice, it just really, it lifted me up from what was a really dark place into suddenly feeling like this is me, this is what I need to do. And, I, and I'm more than just a mum, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm an artist too. And feeling of purpose again, that's, you know, waking up in the morning and today I'm not just going to change nappies mm. and make food for small children to throw on the floor and wipe up crumbs, you know, having that, oh, I can't wait till I can and create some art again. It just made me enjoy them a bit more and it made me enjoy my time off from them because I suddenly had this passion that I needed to keep going with. You know, I don't, it was just amazing to suddenly feel like I was doing something that was completely natural to me. I think the thing with motherhood is that you've just got to make it up as you go along half the time and you don't, I don't know, for me, I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. But with art, it was like suddenly I knew what I was doing and I felt confident and competent at it. And and I think that helped me have confidence in myself as a human. I relate to your story on so many levels. (laughs) And I'm so appreciative of you sharing it today because a lot of the artists that I've spoken to already on this podcast have also come to art Mm. during maternity leave often and I think it is that combination of of things that you've talked about about you know feeling like you've kind of lost a sense of yourself feeling stressed Mm. feeling like you don't have you know the the rule book and how things all work with kids and there's just those all these factors that make can make it a really challenging time what you mentioned about you know getting some time like booking childcare, for example just so that you can make art. Sometimes we feel guilty about doing something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen so many people who have eventually gone down that path and maybe just booked themselves one morning a week to do that self-care, just as the case with you. It's transformative because everybody everybody needs that time, you know, that time for themselves. It's crazy to think that we deny ourselves of that. It's a basic human right to have time to do something that you enjoy. It's so important, you know, even if it's just going for a walk on the beach or reading a book or just having a nap or something, you know, like it's such an exhausting job. I think the mental load that you carry as a mother is so much bigger than than anyone can imagine unless they're a mother, you know. And so you need that time to kind of decompress and recharge and just get back to yourself I just felt like I completely lost all of my identity and who I was I didn't even know who I was anymore I just was on this treadmill of being somebody you know being there for somebody else I think that's a good way of describing it you know a treadmill of being there for somebody else (laughs) (laughs) I know and I love my children I love them a bit don't get me wrong but it it was just this endless you just can't see the end I just felt never like I, I was able to give myself time because I just felt guilty when I did. And I, I, that's all in my own mind. And I think so many people just feel like they need to serve others and be there for other people. And as a woman, you feel a lot of guilt to take that time back. I don't know why. Because I agree with that because quite often you're the barrier because you might have people that actually suggest things to you like, why yeah. don't you? put your child in childcare for a day or why don't you sign up for that yoga class and I'll look after your kids for you. But Mm. sometimes we seem to put up the wall and it takes something like how you talked about being at your doctors. It takes something like Mm. that for us to kind of wake up and realise that we can't be a good mum when we're kind of sabotaging ourselves in that way. It's complete self-sabotage. So you so you mentioned that you, first of all, got into the alcohol inks and then you started using resin. But I know that more recently you have been trying all sorts of other things. And I wanted to kind of switch into chatting about an Instagram post that you posted a while ago that connected with me a lot and I know it did with many others because you mm-hmm. talked about how you were losing more followers than you were gaining um, because yeah. you were moving in a different direction with your art. And while you had loved working with resin and alcohol inks, you were ready for something new and you were getting back into landscapes and mixed media. 
And I loved the way that you said that you were happy, you know, and that you were ready to say goodbye to the people that weren't connecting with where you were heading and you were welcoming in the new followers. And when I read that, there was something incredibly liberating about the way that you described it. And I know that many other people felt the same way because sometimes you do feel like you're kind of stuck in a bit of a box and you worry about shifting directions and letting people down or, you know, I just thought it was a brilliant way of looking at it. So I wanted to thank you for that. And then I thought perhaps we could talk a little bit about how that happened and evolved for you. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I guess I am lucky that I do have a fairly large following now. So to lose 300 followers every time I post, it doesn't, you know, it's not a huge deficit. If, if, if I'd just been starting out, I know, I know that if that happened early on, I would have like really wanted to just give up but yeah and you actually mentioned that in the post as well you talked about the fact that if this had happened early on you would have been really crushed by it I feel like I've kind of grown as an artist within with people watching me because I gained so many followers so early on and then that's almost a bit of a it's not it's not a blessing it's a curse you know you have you have so many followers but then they're watching you and, you're, and actually, I just wanted to grow as an artist. I just wanted to play and explore. I got to that point where I felt like suddenly, like you say, I was kind of boxed in. People just wanted to see the resin art. And I was making, doing commissions and making these resin pieces. And I sort of started to not enjoy it as much. It was at Christmas time last year. I did a local, we have like a yearly she shed tour uh, thing where um, artists, there's like several people who open their studios up and people tour around and look at different artists' work uh, over one day. And I had lots of my resin art and lots of these um, serving platters with resin on. I had like whatever stock I had and I and it sold out within, you know, the morning basically. And then people were coming up saying, oh, have you got any more of those resin platters? I want one of those. And, you know, I was taking orders and I had a list and I ended up just like, making these resin platters like so many of them right up to Christmas and beyond I just absolutely was like I can't look at another one of these platters I'm so sick of making them but you know people wanted to buy them and I I felt like I couldn't turn down that money it was a good problem to have isn't it to needing to make more of something and selling it I just started to kind of feel like why am I making these this isn't what I I wanted to be an artist and now I feel like I'm just making these platters over and over again and the even the art started to feel the resin art started to feel like it wasn't unique to me anymore um I I know it got really really popular and I would get a lot of people messaging me with saying saying is this your work and they'd send a photo and either I'd say no it's not but it's very similar to my work somebody's I've had the exact same idea or that you know it just happens to be similar or they've copied me um or I would have people message me with pictures they'd taken from a screenshot of an Instagram account and it was genuinely my work they'd just Mm. taken a picture of my work and you know put it in their post and said here's my resin art and there was even one with a bit of me holding resin art wow and I was like I was like okay like identity theft (laughs) (laughs) I know it I mean that that was actually quite recently Mm. which I think they maybe they thought they could get away with it because I've kind of that it's quite low down on my feet now with those, mm. those pictures. But it was that point where I was like, okay, I can either just carry on doing this and just try to just accept that people are going to copy me or use my work and pretend it's theirs um, and not really love it as much, but sell work. Or I can pivot and go back to doing something that feels more unique to me. And it was a no-brainer, really. I just felt like I'd pushed the resonance as far as I wanted to push it with that style anyway and I just felt like it just no longer resonated with me as much um there was there's quite a lot of waste with resin art as well which which really didn't sit well and I don't know as, as soon as something gets really popular I just feel like I don't want to do that anymore <laughs> I don't want to do that anymore now I've had I want to do my own thing and so um oh and the other thing that happened was I I got rejected from a gallery that I'd been into a couple of hours away from here and we were away and I went into this gallery and I I just thought oh this looks like a nice little place and I was chatting to the owner and she seemed really 
positive and I told her, you know, I do some do art and she said, Oh yeah, we love to support local people, um, especially from Gisborne, that's like where I'm from. And um she said, Send me send me some photos, send me details and I did. I went home and I was really excited and I fired off some pictures and then a couple of days later I had this kind of curt reply that just sort of said thanks but no thanks and that my work was too similar to someone that they already had it really hurt like I I was like absolutely gutted I remember like crying and being like she doesn't like my heart you know you just feel really sad and rejected and but that kind of planted that seed in me of like I know I can make really good art I know I can paint I know I can make good art I know I know I can make art that's unique to me I just haven't got there yet and so that rejection actually kind of was a was a kind of kick up the bum to actually get my paints out again and start playing I thought no I'm just going to start painting what feels like me a bit more uh, on paper and on board and on canvas I knew I, I had this moment where I was like do I start a new new Instagram account and just shut this one down and leave it where it you know leave that but I thought you know no why not why do I have to do that like it's still me I'm just on a journey and this is just you know I've just taken a different road and that if they want to follow me they can follow me if they don't and they can go somewhere else and so I just did a a post where I showed a few of the um, new work that I was doing and I had such a lovely response from people that they were like oh you know that's lovely and I just thought you know what the people that are interested in this they'll either find me or they'll stick with me and the people that aren't then well they're not for me so it doesn't really matter if they go and yeah so it's actually been quite freeing it's been sort of like bye (laughs) off you go if you don't like it (laughs) see you later I kind of just feel like now I I'm not to say I won't ever use resin again I actually do quite like using it on top of paintings and things Uh, just want I just want to use it in a different way in a way that feels a bit more unique to me and a bit more um my own thing and not someone else's not something that someone else can just copy and say oh look I made this and it'll be you know too obviously not theirs. So what are you enjoying working with at the moment then as far as supplies and things like that? I've always loved acrylic paint I'm I'm not really an oils person I did buy some oil paints recently but I still haven't really gotten into that you know delved into them properly. I've always loved acrylic paint I've really loved discovering all the different mediums that you can add to acrylic to sort of change its texture and push it to be either like either really textury, textural and sort of 3D or really thin and add a, make it like a glaze and scratch through and things like that. And with ink, I really love still using little bits of alcohol ink or acrylic ink, things like gold leaf. I kind of like, honestly spray paint. Anything goes, anything goes, <laughs> crackle paste. Yeah, I've got really into texture, things like that, and layers. And I think that comes back to my time as a at, at university with the textile design. As much as I thought, like, that was a waste of time, why did I spend three years doing that? I think, you know, those skills that I learned, they have, they did obviously sink in and, and they do a feature in my work, the layering of layers of paint, particularly. I really like to use layers. In my art, I, I very rarely just paint a painting that's just sort of one layer, if you know what I mean. And it looks like you get a lot of inspiration from the landscape as well. Definitely. I mean, I love, I've always loved the sea and the ocean. I've, I've always lived fairly close to the ocean. Um, but also the, the landscape and the hills. I, I just really love nature and that, the kind of vast, that feeling of vastness, the empty hills that just roll for miles that you get in England and you get here and and that expanse of ocean that with nothing on it I, I don't know there's something about that that it kind of makes I think it goes back to that feeling of in my childhood of being quite I was quite a lonely child a lot of the time and I think that feeling of like being alone in nature I just really love bringing those elements into my work it looks like you've got a studio separate to your house and that looks like yeah. it's in a beautiful location. I I saw, a, I think it was an, ins, it might have been an IGTV video that you had up with a little tour. Uh-huh. It might have been from a while ago and I actually watched it. <laughs> I watched it with my daughter who's 12 who in, 
instantly fell in love with you. Oh, bless her. <laughs> uh, she thought it was the dreamiest uh, studio and space. So where is that located? So that's just in our garden. We're quite lucky to have quite a big section here. Yeah, we, we built the, our house. We, we didn't build the house. The builders built our house a couple of years ago. And then when I started to type, sort of sell my work, my goal was to try to save up enough to build a studio. And yeah, it was a really exciting. It was about a year ago now, I think, or maybe a bit less than a year ago that I finally had made enough money to, to get a, it was just a, a, a shed kit, really. And my husband very cleverly put it together and built a deck on it in the, in the back of our garden. Yeah, we've got these beautiful hills. I'm looking at them right now. They're behind us, which catch all this amazing sunlight in the morning. And then in the evening, you get amazing clouds and things behind them. Uh, so they're really a huge source of inspiration to me. And yeah, the shed is, it's, I mean, looking at it now, it definitely doesn't look like that video. <laughs> I can barely see the floor. It's absolutely chock. Yeah, I think that was when you, that was when you just moved in, so everything was all neat and tidy. It, it's definitely not now. It, it's, had, it's had my magic touch, it really is for sure. And it's absolutely, I, I need to have a massive, it's actually just made me, made me realise I need to have a really big you should post a yeah. video now on uh, IGTV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, yeah, I haven't for ages. My, my vid, the sound on my um, video camera hasn't worked for ages. So on my phone hasn't worked for ages, but I've just changed my phone. So now I can record sound. So I, I was thinking the other day I need to do some more videos. But yeah, like I tend to be that person that works my way into a tiny corner. And when I no longer can kind of see any space, then I think, right, this is probably time to tidy up. <laughs> <laughs> so you have three children and you mm-hmm. make art and run an art business as well. How do you juggle well, it all or do you? <laughs> well, luckily, they, you know, the two of them, the two older boys are at school now and my daughter is at kindy, kindergarten. She goes there three and a half day, well, days, I say days, like six hours a day a week. Um, so really just, I don't do a lot of other stuff <laughs> apart from art. In in the time that I get off, I generally just focus on, on making art. My husband's really good with computers and things, so he's absolutely amazing with, with the website, things like that. I, I have to have his help to help me figure out what I'm doing. But yeah, I just, I think when you're passionate about something, I think that's what I've realised. You know, I couldn't really ever hold down a job before at children or a career or anything like that because they, I wasn't passionate enough about it with art. Like, that's what, what I always wanted to do and what, you know, I always wanted to be an artist. So that I can I can easily spend the whole day focusing on my art because it's what I love. I mean, I have to say, just to disclaim that, you know, my, I'm re- I am really privileged that my husband his job allowed me to do this you know if i if if i'd had to go out and do, and work a different job you know i would have done that and then i wouldn't have probably got as far as i am which is not to say i wouldn't have still wanted to have some kind of creative practice but i don't think i would have been able to focus on it and make it a business um as such and i still feel like i'm re- i really honestly feel like i'm still at the beginning of my art business journey i'm uh, even though i've been sort of I suppose painting for almost three years. It ta- it's taken that long to feel almost like if someone asked me what my job is, I think it's only recently that I could confidently say I'm an artist. You know, that's my job. I think when I started out, you kind of, you want that to happen so much quicker than is actually possible. And you need to put that time in, don't you, to to really practice and hone your skills. It can be quite frustrating at the beginning because you sort of don't see the, you don't see yourself improving as quickly as you like, I suppose. And did you find that at some stages during the beginning that you did have days that were frustrating? And because sometimes it sounds really dreamy making art every day, and it is it is very um, good for the soul. And and you mentioned about how much it's helped you with anxiety and mm. and all that. But then there is also other sides to it too that can be frustrating and make you question things definitely yeah yeah you, I think especially with social media you know you 
you don't always want to share all those failures. You kind of have this pressure that you put on yourself, I suppose, to always make really good art. And but the truth is, you know, you have like I probably only shared ten percent of the art I, I actually made. I've got just stacks and boxes of art that was rubbish. <laughs> well, you know, I felt it was rubbish because I. But it didn't matter. That was the point. I just I wanted to just play and explore. But yeah, there are definitely moments where you think, I can't do, you know, why isn't it working? I can't do this anymore. But I never, I've never wanted to give up. I, I think those moments only just inspire me to, to keep going. I think the more something frustrates me and I can't do it, the more I end up wanting to figure it out, if you know what I mean. Often that's kind of what you need in order to make the next kind of, you know, the next improvement. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like you, you, you get those that curve don't you where you at the bottom and it's like oh this is rubbish oh, this, oh yeah it's great oh this is really good oh no oh it's rubbish oh. and you kind of go up and down that it's just a constant you know your skill matches up with the, your taste that you want the thing you want to create finally meets where you want to be and then but then you your expectation increases so then you you know you, you're back at the bottom and you <laughs> yeah it's, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a roller coaster at times there's probably people listening who are thinking that they would like to carve out some space for themselves creatively. I know it can be very challenging, especially when you have young children and you've got a lot of experience with that. Do you have any, I guess, suggestions for people as to how they could get started with a creative practice? I mean, I think if you just start really small, I think that's the key. Just start doing something really small, maybe like a sketchbook or just some sheets of paper or something like that. And just say to yourself, like, three evenings a week, I'm going to just sit down and have a play with no expectation. And just pick something that you feel passionate about, I suppose, the subject matter that you feel passionate about. For me, it was kind of the ocean and then landscapes. And I knew that I loved those. I just drew on that as inspiration. But, you know, if you love flowers or, I don't know, you know, still life or whatever, just sitting down and just saying, well, I'm just going to – I tend to put a timer on for two minutes, I think, even if I don't feel like it. If I just if I just do two minutes of art, then, then I've done something. But it's always, you know, once you get started, it always starts last longer than two minutes. It's only two hours. Wow, two minutes. I used to do that with like half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think sometimes half an hour is almost yeah. too long. Well, for me, I'm I'm the sort of person that like half an hour sometimes would just feel too overwhelming. Like what could I possibly, like that feels like I need to create something proper and big. And I think if I just think, no, I'm just going to sit down and have a play. I'm just going to pick up, some, you know, a couple of supplies, a bit of alcohol ink or pencil and watercolours and just, just do something really quick. If, I, if I've just done that and I think, oh, I'm done, you know, I've had a play. And then you can walk away. At least you've done something. But, you know, more often than not, you'll think, oh, no, this is, I quite like this now. And I'll do another one and do another one. But I think if you just take that pressure off of, like, how much you're doing, it's kind of, it's better to just do something rather than nothing. Yeah, I, I ended up just looking forward to those little moments. I did a, I tried to do, I, I didn't actually achieve it, but I tried to do a 100-day sketchbook project, but I only got about halfway through. But that was really good. Just every night I set, like once I'd done tidied up and literally just before before going to bed, I would just sit in the kitchen, think, right, I'm just going to do one one little page in my sketchbook. It doesn't matter how rubbish it is or how quick it is, just one page. And then that was, it was really hard to stop at one page, but I, I made it, I was not allowed to do more than one page and I'd have to only do one page. And I think that was kind of almost like setting that limitation was it fed the desire to keep going each day, you know. Yeah, because it's good sometimes to stop before you're ready to stop. That's something that I've learned oh. in my own practice, like to leave yourself kind of hungry the next day and Definitely. with a bit of focus for the next day. So I always used to feel like I needed to sort of push through. So I'd be looking at the time and it would be nearly time to pick the kids up from school and I'd be like, I need to finish this. Yeah, and, I do that all the time. <laughs> and, and because I'd be right in the middle of something juicy. But now I'm like, actually, it's it's good to stop when you're in that place because then the next yeah. day you just you jump out of bed and you want to get straight back into it and you know what you want to do so I've yeah, learned or often 
you go and you go, oh, I'm really glad I didn't keep going. Yes. That's really nice how it is. <laughs> There's that side of it as well. Um, but I'm glad that you mentioned the two-minute timer because I, um, as I said, I, I am one of those people that tends to have quite epic painting sessions. I am learning how to do things in shorter amounts of time. So two minutes seems really short to me. Um, I don't think I've ever done two minutes. I'm not, <laughs> but, but, but just even telling myself, like in the evenings, often I'll be really tired, like especially during the lockdown that we had, I didn't really have any time during the day to do any painting. And I'd be absolutely exhausted by the evening. And I'd think, oh, no, I just, you know, I'm just going to sit down and watch Netflix. And I'd say to myself, no, just go, go and see if it, like, just do, just go and see a couple minutes and just do something quick on a, some paper, you know. And I'd come in, I'd think, okay, I'm just, you know, because I've given myself that permission that it could just be really quick, then I'd look at my phone and think, oh dear, it's half past 10. <laughs> I really need to go to bed. I've been in here two hours. I think that just gave me that, um, the get out clause of like, well, if I only do two minutes, then at least I've done it, you know, I've done a couple of minutes of work. So the important thing is it gets you started. Yeah, that's it. I've used that a lot for most things actually in my life I have to have timers and things because after my son's diagnosis I realized that I fitted a lot of the boxes of ADHD myself and and I got diagnosed quite recently this year as having um, the attention deficit the inattentive type which is not really people don't really know about the fact there's different subtypes but um, it's it's one where you know you problems with prioritizing and planning and time management kind of committing to tasks and things like that so for me I might literally rely on my phone timer for most things in my life like I have the timer to remind me to eat lunch and pick my children up and things like that so even housework I think I don't really want to do housework but if I just set my timer for for 10 minutes and do some housework then that's 10 minutes more than I would have done (laughs) it is a good way to motivate yourself and help you kind of stay on track with things, isn't it? I I use timers from time to time as well in my own art practice. And then I just, then I ignore them. It's like what you said with the two minute one, you know, like I sometimes try and set myself timers to stop, you know, so I don't go painting for so long. And then I just ignore, ignore, snooze, snooze. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. I'm definitely one for the snooze button. So have you got anything that's coming up that you're working on at the moment? Well, I was supposed to have an exhibition um, that was going to happen during the, the lockdown that we had in New Zealand, um, but that was postponed. So that's now coming up on the 17th of July. I've got a solo exhibition, my first proper solo exhibition, I suppose, which is quite exciting and slightly daunting. <laughs> so I'm working my way through finishing off pieces for that. The title for the exhibition is Horizon which again plays on that idea of, of empty, big, sort of vast spaces. And I think for me, it, the work is reflecting my experience of not really belonging anywhere, you know, kind of coming from England, but living here and feeling like this is home, but also England's home. And my children are from here, but I'm we're from England. And, you know, you look at the horizon and you know that your family are the other side of that. And, yeah, I've really enjoyed creating these pieces they've been it's been really emotional kind of process actually quite cathartic and I've really kind of felt quite a lot of big (laughs) emotions happening when I'm painting Uh, yeah I'm really looking forward to to getting those up and seeing them all together in one place so we'll pop the details for your exhibition in the show notes for this episode as well as your website Instagram so everyone can go over and check out what you're up to and find out more about you. My biggest thing is that I want to, I want my children to see that difference is a good thing. Having neurodiversity is is not negative and that, you know, you can still be successful and you can still do something great with your life. I'm, I really want to allow that messy kind of disorganized side of my personality to, to come through in my art and I remember my son actually asking me when he was young, uh, what, what do you do, mum? You know, because so-and-so's mum's an accountant or whatever. What, what do you do? And at the, at the time, I, I had no answer. I said, well, I'm just a mum. And now I, I feel really proud that I can say to him, I'm an artist. And, he, you know, they can see 
they know that mum's got a studio and that mum's having an exhibition and and I just yeah I just really want I want anyone to realize that being a bit different it's a good thing you know I've never really felt like I was cool or fitted in (laughs) anywhere I think I carried around a lot of shame about myself and feeling having anxiety and not knowing what it was and having ADD and not knowing what that was and now I've I've kind of come through all of that and and feel like um yeah I just want to show my kids that it's okay to be different and have different feelings and there's nothing to be ashamed about and there are lots of positives to being the way I am and the way they are and you know I just I really want to encourage that I think in my my Instagram I, I try and be as honest and as vulnerable as I can be and in the hope that I encourage others to find themselves through a creative practice or you don't have to be the same as everyone else you know actually being different being different is a good thing. Well I think that certainly has come through in today's conversation and I want to thank you so much for coming on because I know that you were nervous about coming on the podcast (laughs) And you've been so you've been so brave, and I, I love seeing what you do and the message that you share and the beautiful community that you're building. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Laura. Yeah, I just want to take this moment to say thank you for all the work that you do because honestly, I think if it wasn't for listening to podcasts that, like yours and a few others that I listen to, that they've just really inspired me. And your the work that you do to um, encourage others and just proved people that it is possible to be a successful artist I think you know if it wasn't for that if it wasn't for you kind of sharing all your knowledge I I would just still be fumbling around in the dark not not where I am today so yeah thank you thank you so much I appreciate that and I'll pass that on to Richie as well You've been so lovely. You've shared the podcast a number of times and you've sent messages to me and I've really appreciated that. So it's been lovely to chat with you and and thank you so much for being so honest and and going into some of those harder places that aren't easy to talk about. Thanks so much, Laura. Thank you, Phoebe. Bye. 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 What an honest and raw conversation. It's not easy coming onto a podcast and especially so when you are sharing the harder parts of your journey. If you connected with Phoebe's story, please do go over and let her know. You can pop over to her Instagram, which is at PhoebeGanderArt. So I'll spell that out for you. P-H-O-E-B-E-G-A-N-D-E-R-A-R-T. Send her a DM or tag her in an Instagram story. You can also check out her website at PhoebeGander.com. I also wanted to mention that Phoebe's solo exhibition Horizon is being held at the Art Lounge in Taranga, New Zealand with opening night on Friday the 17th of July and the exhibition running through until the 13th of August. If you are nearby, go and check it out and show your support. All of these details are also in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at laurahornart.com forward slash the podcast forward slash 96. Well, that's it for this week. I hope that you enjoyed the episode and that you'll join us again next week.